The answer is And you're like, okay, but what's the question here? I'm seeing everyone else's life and everyone else is having a great life, but how do they get there? How do I get there? And then it's like, okay, well now I have to actually do this introspective thing and ask myself what's important to me. And it's like, where do you even start? What question do you even ask? (laughs) Hello listeners, this is audio editor Ella just popping in to say that Jenna's intro might sound a little funny this week. That is because she is recording it from a bathroom in Colorado, so thank you for bearing with us, but... The rest of the episode sounds perfectly fine. Thanks for bearing with us and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not so favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Rebecca Sosmacat, who always has a towel with her. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the books we review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and then come right back to this episode. But also, if you're just here for the fun-loving conversation, then welcome. We are so glad you're here. So whether you want to read one, none, or all of these books this month, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinion on these books on our Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. That's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week we read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Well, welcome back, Rebecca, to another episode of Red Wine Reads. Hello. How are we doing this fine afternoon? Jenna, we did it. I did it. We did it. Did what? We found a book that we loved. (gasps) At least I loved it. I don't know. We haven't spoken at all about it, but... I know. I'm just thrilled to be here and to talk about a book and not just absolutely just shit on it for an hour. Oh, I can't wait to get into it. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be good. Uh, let's just let's just dive right in. So this week we read uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. This is quite a, a, a classic almost here in like the science fiction world. So this book was published in 1979. In 1978, it was originally a BBC radio comedy that Douglas Adams had written, and he kind of expected it to be a skit-like, you know, script. And so people were going to have a lot of fun with it. They were going to have actors kind of act it out on radio, but they ended up developing it into a little book, which was the first of a series. And this first one was developed into a 2005 film adaptation, and they are actually doing a new TV series, and it's currently in development at Hulu. So that will be coming out probably here in the next couple years. I did not know that. That's so exciting. I didn't even know there was a movie. You didn't? No, I know nothing about this book. Oh my God, I watched it last night. Is it good? It's so good. I remember watching it as a kid because it was one of my dad's favorites. We would watch it all the time. Okay, I think I'm going to watch that tonight. It, you have to rent it on like YouTube or Prime. So it is a four, $4 commitment, but it's worth it. Well, this book received a 4.2 out of 5 on Goodreads. So uh, readers really love it. And a little bit about Douglas Adams. So he is an English author. He died in 2001. His daughter, I just put this in here because I thought it was so funny. His daughter's name is Polly Jane Rocket Adams. I love that name. I know. I would be unstoppable if I had the name Polly Jane Rocket. I know. Me too. 
And uh, Douglas actually wanted to break into TV and radio as a writer after university. So he kind of like got his start there. He is also, which is not surprising in the slightest, he is a self-proclaimed radical atheist and environmental activist. I got the vibe. Yes. So before we dive into our characters and our summary, are you drinking anything today? Water. Oh, you boring. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's a rainy day here in Richmond, so I called for a little bit of red wine. Well, let's get into it. So here's our summary from Amazon. It's an ordinary Thursday morning for Arthur Dent until his house gets demolished. The Earth follows shortly after to make way for a new hyperspace express route. And Arthur's best friend has just announced that he is an alien. After that, things get much, much worse. With just a towel, a small yellow fish, and a book, Arthur has to navigate through a very hostile universe in the company of a gang of unreliable aliens. Luckily, the fish is quite good at languages. <laughs> and the book is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which helpfully has the words Don't Panic inscribed in large friendly letters on its cover. Douglas Adams' mega-selling pop culture classic sends logic into orbit, plays havoc with both time and physics, offers up a pithy commentary on such things as ballpoint pens, potted plants, and digital watches, and most important, reveals the ultimate answer to life, the universe, and everything. Now, if only you could figure out the question. All right. What a good summary. That was very well written. I really like it. So I think one of the things um, that I really liked about this book were its characters. So let's kind of go through our characters here. So we have Arthur. (laughs) Arthur Dent. My boy, Artie. Who's just really down on his luck. I mean, we open it with him uh, laying down in front of a bulldozer because they're about to demolish his house. I... One of the things that really stood out to me throughout this entire book was I really enjoyed how like each character, there's a lot of names in the book, but there's not that many like important characters, like notable characters. And each one of them is like, I feel like a different part of like my soul. (laughs) Like when I first met Arthur, I was like, bro, same. Yep. I get it. I know. I feel like that's exactly how I would act if I was abducted by aliens and sent into the universe. Just be like, what? All the time. just be like uh okay <laughs> there was a lot of names there's a lot of titles a lot of different creatures that had a name and i was like you know what yeah well we had four what was it ford ford perfect and then we had zaphid Beeblebrox, love who is just the eccentric galactic president who kidnaps himself and <laughs> goes on a journey steals his own ship steals his own ship and then we have trillian who was also formerly known as trisha she was talking with Arthur at a party and then Zaphit came on and was like, I have an alien spaceship. Do you want to come with me? And then she was like, sure. And then you <laughs> then you have my main man, Marvin. Thank God you love Marvin. Marvin was my favorite. Freaking love Marvin. He is our um, depressed, <laughs> our depressed robot. Huh? God, he was good. God, this book was so well written. I, yeah, I don't know. I just think like when you have characters as good as this, it's like it's going to drive the story no matter what the plot is. And the fact that each one of them had such a distinct like characteristic about them and that they were able to like very much banter and play with each other. They just very well complimented each other and just the absurdity of just everything in this book. It was just so good. I just really appreciated 
if you never read this book before, it's short. It's only like 200 and some odd pages, 215 pages. Mine, my copy. Mine's a little tiny little guy. I found it on the side of the road. Yeah, wait. I found it on the street. How? Yeah, what's the story that with you, with your book? Oh yeah, I found it so ironic that this was one of the only books so far that I've read a physical book. And it's all about like space and technology and there's no books. I thought it was so funny. But yeah, I found it on the sidewalk. Someone was just giving away their books and I was like, oh, I want to be a book person. I want to read books. And my boyfriend was like, oh, I've read that book before. It's really good. You should pick it up. So I picked it up and it's been sitting in my living room forever. And I finally just decided to add it to our list. And I'm so glad I did. It's so good. But it's like 215 pages and it is just wall to wall word for word, jam-packed. Yeah. Normally the books that I read, it takes like three chapters to describe like a teapot. So what my brain normally does is I kind of like speed read through the descriptions and like my brain kind of like fills in it as I go. Yeah. So I caught myself doing it for this and I would have to like restart a chapter over and over and over again because every single word is so important to the story. Like if you even skip a word, you're so lost, especially with the names. So I was just like, this was a different style of reading than I normally do. And I loved every second of it. I love that. Yeah. It's definitely not a book I would normally pick up. Like this is like not my type of book. And it's funny because like when I was reading it, there are a few lines that I would like laugh at, but like when it when I watched the adaptation of it, that's when like all the jokes really like got to me. I think it was a hard book for me to read because I'm someone I don't know. I almost wanted there to be like something a little deeper. He starts off with the whole thing about the beginning of like the world and stuff like that. The very first chapter or the preamble or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And then one Thursday, nearly 2000 years after one man had been nailed to a tree saying for how great it would be to be nice to people for a change. A girl sitting on her own in a small cafe in Rickman's mouth suddenly realized what it was that had been going on wrong this whole time. It started off like super strong and I was like, yes, I love it. I love like a good atheist undertone. Like that's my shit right there. So I was like super excited, but then he just never spoke about it ever again. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. I'll forgive you. It's tough because like, I really don't mind reading books that have atheist undertones. I really don't care. But this one was like a little much. (laughs) Really? And not, not in a bad way, almost in a way of like, okay, we like get it. You don't need to keep like reiterating it and like how stupid religious people are. And so like that was like a little bit kind of got to me, Mm. but not in like a, I don't want to be like butthurt about it because I'm not butthurt about it, but it was just, it was like almost overly satire-ish in that sense. A little bit too much in my opinion. And I'm, I don't really care, like I said, but just like, it kind of took me out of the story a few times. That was like one of the things that I had a qualm with. Oh, see, that's kind of what exactly what I expected from this book. Not even knowing that Douglas Adams is an atheist and an environmentalist, but just from knowing it's about the universe and things like that, like I knew it. So I was ready for it. And I love that kind of stuff. That's like my, my alley. So yeah. And this is why I freaking love doing this podcast is because we can have such differing opinions on this sort of stuff. Books can really appeal to people in a lot of different ways and have things that stick with people in a lot of different ways. I, you know, I listen to another podcast, which I don't want to deter anyone from listening to this podcast, but they always say, I don't want to yuck your yum. I don't know. But I think I, I wish I could like pull up an example 
I know that's the one thing it was just, it was very hard for me to like save quotes but just because it was actually I saved two they're not prevalent to our conversation at all but it was the it was a little like side story about the Vilhergs in Gungvunts in the very end where they were like fighting against each other because Arthur said one phrase that like pissed him off they're fighting. They realize it wasn't either of them who pissed each other off. So they're like scouring the universe to find who it was. And then it says, for thousands more years, the mighty ships tore across the empty wastes of space and finally dived screaming onto the first planet that they came across, which happened to be the Earth. Where due to a terrible miscalculation of scale, the entire battle fleet was accidentally swallowed by a small dog. Those who study the complex interplay of cause and effect in the history of the universe say that this sort of thing is going on all the time, but that we are powerless to prevent it. It's just life, they say. See, like stuff like that is like delicious to me. That is my yum. <laughs> I love it. I also love, I do love the the fact that he is discussing this ultimate question that all these people are after, that everyone in the world is after, the answer to the universe, everything. And it's like, how do we live a life that you can be proud of and that you're happy about and that you can like crack the code? Yeah. Have like the perfect life. And then it's like, oh, it's 42. I think that all also is like very like at least this day and age it might have not been this way back in like millennia ago but at least now in like the 21st century we kind of know the answer to life like more or less it's just you know be good be happy find what brings you pleasure in life whether it be living for yourself or others but it's like getting to there what is the question what question do you have to ask yourself to find what is your purpose i know what my purpose should be but what is it I think that's like such a good, like even though this was written in 1979, I feel like it portrays more to the 21st century than it probably did back in the 70s and 80s, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> like as I was reading, I was like, oh, maybe you have no idea. <laughs> yes, you're seeing all this stuff, especially with the prevalence of social media. You're seeing all this stuff of like people being like, don't compare yourself to others. And Instagram is just the highlight of everyone's life. TikTok is just somebody's, some people can make a shit ton of money off of it. Some people don't. That's okay. And like you, you need to find what makes you happy and you need to find what kind of life you want to live. And you can make a lot of money by like portraying it on social media, but also don't get off of social media. You don't need to be on social media. The answer is 42. And you're like, okay, but what's the question here? I'm seeing everyone else's life and everyone else is having a great life, but how did they get there? How do I get there? And then it's like, okay, well now I have to actually do this introspective thing and ask myself what's important to me. And it's like, where do you even start? What question do you even ask? <laughs> the whole story about they got the answer, but they were like, no one's going to like this. Yeah. We have to make one up. That's good for the presses. <laughs> yeah. Again, so relatable now because it's like even like new age spiritualists who are like, I have the answer, but they like package it like all nice so we can put it on social media. And it's so funny. It's also like everyone's that new trend that's going around where it's the trend of like my five to nine before my nine to five. I mean, again, I don't want to yuck their yum, but it their yum is like a piece of lettuce. Not very good. <laughs> They're saying that this is how, this is the key. Millionaires wake up at 4.30 in the morning and drink a lemon water and don't have any caffeine and do this and do that and do this. And I'm just like, listen. So just give me my breakfast burrito at 9.30, please. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I'm going to drink my coffee before I drink my water. And that's okay. <laughs> 
Sue me. Getting back to this, I think it's genius in a way that you're kind of attacking this almost ridiculousness of people thinking there has to be something bigger out there or there has to be something that I'm answering to, something I'm working toward in order for this to like make sense. And Douglas Adams is like attacking this in such a ridiculous way, which is I think the only way you can, (laughs) because how do you even start to talk about this without sounding absolutely ridiculous? And I mean, honestly, in some religion to some people is like a way to combat this battle that you're having of like, how do I make this life make sense? And to some that's religion. But like with this, I don't know, I feel like he's just attacking in such a genius way in such a way that makes sense to a lot of people. It was very well done. I think the main theme of the book, which is what we were talking about. Yeah. Is kind of, a he- again, a heavy subject. And he, he like, he went about it in such like a jovial way that honestly, like that whole story point really wasn't what I was focused on and really what I took away from like the book. I was more focused on about our characters and, oh, they're on this planet that doesn't exist, but it kind of exists. But it's of course like this, it's just always there. 42, the answer is 42. Like I'm the second best robot or the second best computer in the whole entire universe. Like it's always like there to remind you that like, hey, this is really what this book is about. Sorry, guys. But he did it in such a great way that it didn't make it feel like it was like basically another like philosophical book that you really had to like digest at the end of the day. I totally agree. I think he did a fabulous job. I just think it's it's a fun read. If you're just looking for something like that'll take you a couple hours and you just want something to like sit down with and just fly through and have fun with it, get lost in space a little bit and kind of have, because this is kind of at the height. Is it at the height? So yes. So Star Trek was coming out in the like late sixties. And then you have the space race going on kind of before that you have the space race going on, then you have Star Trek and then you kind of have Star Wars getting into like the end of the seven or late seventies, early eighties. And so you have this book kind of thrown in the middle of this. And it's kind of like, let's make this space travel, but actually realistic. What if we threw just your average Joe into space travel? What what the heck would he do? <laughs> That's such a good point. This is what it would be like. And actually, it's maybe not as glamorous. And That's actually such a genius point because at that point, everyone's just seeing, the, again, the glamour of space. Like, oh, space is so fun. People have shiny swords and they're meeting crazy new things. And Douglas is like, bitch, if you threw me into space, I'd be bugging out. <laughs> and I would have nothing. Like, what do I bring? A towel? That's good. He just like scratches that down in his notebook. What do I need? I need a, I need a guidebook. Okay, I'll scratch that down. That's so funny to think about in hindsight. Yeah, in no world would we be able to just go into space and like think we're going to be okay. Who's, who's translating all this shit? I don't have a little yellow fish. I totally forgot all about the little yellow fish. It's the best. Like as soon as it went in his ear, like they never mentioned it again. So that's kind of nice that they got rid of that like translation. Yeah, they were like, how, how can we make it make sense? Just put a fish in his ear and then, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Is there anything else that you... Um, What did you think about the planet making planet? The planet making planet. I did like that portion. I loved the mice aspect of it. And like, it's like our third version of Earth. Like, what did you think about that whole storyline? Because that was like my favorite part of the book. I thought the mice edition was fascinating because it is we were experimenting on them and it's like "Mm -mm." they were showing you what they wanted you to know having something as little as mice and being like oh these are the guys that created 
the universe. These are the guys that created your world. I don't know. I just think it was like kind of outrageous, but it made the most sense. Like out of all the animals that were that were to create the world, that would make the most sense. I love rats. I love mice. So as soon as they were like mice, I was like, ah, yes, the key to the world. I thought that was genius. And I do think I think the planet making planets is a way to be like, Everything we built here is like replaceable. Everything that we're building right now is just ground. It's just a place for you to exist. I guess this is like the the atheist take on it. It's like there is no deeper meaning behind a mountain, behind a fjord. It was just like what this guy really liked. See, I got a different vibe from that. I got I got more of the environmentalist vibe than the atheist vibe from that one because it's like, yeah, an old man in a different solar system made it, but it's like, it was like specially crafted. It was like one of the designer planets. This guy spent so much time creating these fjords. They won medals creating these fjords. He's the fjord king. At least at that point, global warming really wasn't part of someone's lingo. But it's like now, again, in the 21st century, it's like those fjords are not going to be there. Yeah. In like 50 years. I do think it's like an interesting thing to think about if we were to lose this earth. And is there like a way to like rebuild it? Is there something out there that's creating Earth 2.0? I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, it is interesting to hear like your take on it, though, because it is like with the mice, too. You kind of think about it's the smallest creatures, too, that have the biggest impact on this on this world. Yeah. And I think there was like a thing about like dolphins that warned them about the first or second or one of the Earth eradications. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is like, yeah, if you if we could just talk with these animals. God, imagine (laughs) what we would know. Well, shall we get into our final ratings? (laughs) I'm excited for my ratings and my pairings. They'll be very good. I'll go first because I want to end it on like a good note with you. I did not I did not like dislike this book at all and by any means. And honestly, I think it's higher than this, but I only just wanted to use the 42 in this. <laughs> and, so, and so that's this is why. But I would give it like a 3.42, probably closer to like a 3.82, 3.9 area because I thought it was a, such a fun read. I really did just really enjoy reading it. And I thought that the characters were so freaking good. I thought that the space adventure portion of it was so fun. And I think like knowing when it came out and knowing when it was kind of sandwiched in between glamorizing space and glamorizing space travel. And then it's like, nah, man, let's get Arthur in here and let's see what actually would happen. That was just clever. And that was fun. I just think this is honestly personal preference. I just think the atheist point of view was a little strong in my opinion. Again, not offended. I just think it was just not my cup of tea, not what I thought was super funny. And then I think that, again, it wasn't really like my type of humor and my like something I would ever really pick up myself. And so I'm so happy I did because like I love to like read stuff that I would normally pick myself. But I think it's like a genre I probably wouldn't dive into again. Like satire space. Yeah. Again, it's just really not my type of book. And I think that's okay. But I did. I did have fun reading. So I would highly recommend it to anyone who wants to read a fun space novel. Agreed. Mm -hmm. That was more or less 
what I gave it. I gave it a four out of five. Okay. But I felt bad giving it anything less than a four because it's such a fantastic book. But again, same thing as you. I probably would not pick up a book like this again. It's a quick read to kind of disrupt your current reading flow. If you do read a lot of books like I do, which is very descriptive, very like in depth, very Jane Austen-y, and you just kind of want something to just like rattle it up a little bit. This is like the perfect book because you can read it in three days if you're really looking to power through it. And it just kind of forces your brain to work a little differently while you're reading. So I really enjoyed that. But yeah, I would always, I'll definitely recommend this book, but I probably will not read it again. I will watch the movie, but I probably wouldn't pick it up again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just a fun, it's a fun read. Let's get into our pairings. These ones I knew exactly what I wanted. So for my drink, anything from Final Gravity Brewery. It's a brewery in Richmond, Virginia, where if you don't know, that's where Jen and I used to live together. And they make in the can all of their own brews. And each can has like a fantastic space theme to it. And it's always just the most delightful thing to like drink out of because it doesn't really have their logos and astronauts. So it usually just has like the astronaut floating somewhere in on the can. Like it doesn't really have writing on it or anything. So it's just like a real good space aesthetic can to hold anytime you drink it. So pretty much anything from there. Love that. Are we, are we bouncing back and forth? Yeah. Great. I love this. Mine is, I think I've used this one before, but it's like, it's such a good pairing. I can't like not use it. it is Moon X wine by Trader Joe's. Phenomenal red. They have a cab sav and they also have a Pinot, I believe. And it is $7, I think seven or $8. And it is delicious. So highly recommend it. Okay. TV shows. TV show. You're going to hate me. My TV show is Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Oh, that's good. My boyfriend grew up on Dragon Ball Z, so he found this YouTuber who basically fan created his own version of Dragon Ball Z with his own like voices. Like he does almost exactly what the show does, but in his like own voices in his own like way. And it is exactly how I imagined this book. If I could create this book and tell you TV show, it would look ex- pretty much exactly like Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> that's a really good pairing. Mine is Space Force. The show on Netflix that came out during pandemic, the one of the actors in it, like the scientist is in the movie adaptation of this book. So I was like, oh, my God, perfect pair. I mean, that's like also just telling the absurdity of what if we had an Air Force, but Space Force and had to like do like an actual fight on the moon. What would that look like? <laughs> so I also possibly thought of For All Mankind. Oh, that's a good one. It's it's space theme, but it's like a it's like a super drama. Like it's like ooey gooey drama. I don't think it would be a good pairing. Like if you like space, I think for all mankind, it's like a good drama. It doesn't have enough like funny, sarcastic for it to be like a good, good pairing with this. But for all mankind's another good space show. Anything space related. That's good. All ready. Let's get into other books. Good Omens by Terry Pratchett. Ooh, I've never read that. It's this kind of the same style of sarcastic. This one's themed like two angels go throughout time and they have to, they're in this specific scenario where they have to do stuff, but it's kind of on the same line of, it has like that weird 
spiritual, whether it be, it's not really like atheist like this one is, but it has like that spiritual undertone, the meaning of life, mm-hmm. but it's very like sarcastic. One's like a Lucifer style angel where he's bad and dark. And the other one's tee good, goody tissue kind of angel. And it's just them being friends and kind of like navigating like the storyline together. It's pretty much like the end of the world and they have to like do something about it. And it has like the same premise of it has like an undertone of like a serious message, but it's just like they do it in like a jovial way. And I thought that is very similar to this book. I love that. My book was The Martian by Andy Weir because the narrator is very sarcastic and funny. It's kind of like, what if we just sent like a normal guy up into space and like, how would he react and how would he, you know, do on his own and just like being up there by himself, all this stuff um, and kind of getting in the in the head of somebody in space by themselves. And so I think that the, the writing style is also very similar. I feel like Andy Weir has like pulled a lot of his writing style from Douglas Adams as well. Like they both kind of have a very similar banter type writing. So um, if you're looking for kind of a funnier, lighter read, and if you haven't seen the movie yet, the movie is also fabulous. Okay. My movie, of course, Spaceballs. Ah! (laughs) Had to. If I can't name the actual The Hitchhiker's Guide movie, like Spaceballs. (laughs) Gosh darn it. (laughs) Was that yours? Yes. (laughs) Well, of course it was. I mean, I don't remember anything from the movie, but I knew as soon as I was reading this book, I was like, this is Spaceballs. God, it's just, it's always funny. Yeah. Well, those were, those were my two movies with Spaceballs and then the 2005 Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, There's a one, it's called Moon. That one's kind of like a psychological thriller where this guy is like living on the moon and some spooky things happen. And that one, it's actually very good. It was recommended to me from a friend in college and he has a very bizarre taste of life. God, it got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's very good. But that one doesn't have any kind of funny sarcasticness to it. It's very serious. I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy is more like Hitchhiker's Guide, where it's like a ragtag team of funny people. That's your homework for tonight. (laughs) Well, that's our conversation. And that's it. (laughs) Excellent. And for the moral of the story, don't yuck anybody's yum. Don't yuck anybody's yum and don't panic. Cheers. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. Again, that's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at rwreadspodcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all. Thanks all.